Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, November 5th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mayor Jyoti Gondek. We asked Mayor Gondek for some clarification about her remarks earlier this week on the possibility of declaring a climate emergency for the City of Calgary and look ahead to what we can expect from the upcoming budget talks at City Hall. Next, we look at the impact the COVID-19 pandemic has had on our mental health. Our own Dave McIver bringing us the latest research on the topic from a professor of memory science. Then we head stateside for our weekly update with Jackson Prosco, Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. We get the lowdown on the role the United States played at the International Climate Conference in Europe this week and discuss the country's continued reliance on coal-fired energy. And finally, he's back. Everyone's favorite serial killer, Dexter, is making a comeback. We get some details on the revival of the popular series and a full list of what else is new in theaters and on streaming as we check in with Brett McGarry of the Couch Potatoes. Well, what would a climate emergency look like in the city of Calgary and, and what message does it send? Joining us to help explain is Calgary Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Good morning to you, Mayor Gondek. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time with us. We appreciate you taking time on a Friday with us. Uh, here's the, the, the two-part question. Will you be declaring a climate emergency in our city? And, and what exactly does that mean or look like? Well, I am talking to my colleagues on council about how we format such a declaration. We will be discussing it at next week's executive committee meeting. And it's a pretty straightforward approach that we're taking. First of all, recognize that the climate emergency is a thing and how it impacts our city in particular. We saw the flood in 2013 and last year we saw the horrendous hailstorm in the northeast part of the city and our farming and ranching communities for many years have been saying that the climate is changing and it's impacting their livelihoods. So we need to take this seriously on behalf of our citizens and there will be some actions that we outline in terms of making sure that the city is committed to electrifying our fleets and moving forward to greater energy efficiency in our buildings. We still get people who are a little upset about that message and maybe that it is, you know, a slap in the face to Calgary's oil sector. So your thoughts on that? It's an interesting parallel to draw that because someone agrees that there's a climate emergency, that person must automatically be anti-oil and gas. And it's not a fact. Uh, I am interested in working with our energy sector who has actively committed to some of the most strict targets. There's many of our energy companies that have committed to net zero by 2050. And in conversation with them, they're interested in getting that message out to the world to demonstrate that our production has transitioned over time and it continues to. So really, you can declare a climate emergency and at the same time, recognize that you've been leaders globally in the transition economy. You know, uh, Ms. Mayor, we've, we've talked a lot about uh, uh, the past uh, changes we've seen in the past year or so due to the pandemic, with patios being expanded, for example, and, and helping and giving a shot to local businesses and restaurants. Uh, but something that's come up in the conversation over the past handful of days is changing those rules and regulations around surrounding a drinking in public and, and more so event centers, not being confined to a beer garden. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, what might that look like in our city? And is, is this a possibility? Well, we uh, struggled as a council to pass the drinking in parks bylaw. Yeah. I'll, <laughs> yeah, it down and, <laughs> I'll call it that. And we 
came up with this bizarre system of booking a picnic table only in select places in the city Mm -hmm. to sit for half an hour and have a beer, which is really clunky and doesn't exactly work. And we've not seen any incidents that are cause for concern. So I think as a society, we need to recognize that if you have a law in place that prohibits public drunkenness, then you've got a system by which you can regulate people's behavior. So I think we're overthinking this and, you know, allowing people to have a beer in a park will not be the end of the world. You know, and and does it too also sort of ready us for a new arena and an entertainment district and all that goes along with what's going to happen down, you know, where our, our hub will soon be too and get us prepped for what that might look like? I mean, it's it's an interesting question. What will that public realm look like? And, you know, beyond the aspect of can you carry a beer outside of a patio, um, I think we've got to consider the types of, of things that we would want in a district like that. Will we have performing arts? Uh, will we have, you know, youth groups coming to perform? And that's those are the balances that you have to strike between how you want to activate a space and whether people can exercise their rights a little bit further than they used to. All right, let's uh, look ahead to Monday and uh, some budget talks within City Hall. Uh, What can we expect to see? What sorts of changes or adjustments will be made? Well, I think the biggest thing will be to get our new council uh, comfortable with how the process rolls out. I believe administration will come with their best recommendations on areas that have faced some very deep cuts and what they might need to get out of the hole that they're in because of the pandemic. I think we will also identify areas like transit, where we certainly need more support from other orders of government. I know that housing is something else that we're looking at in partnership with our other two orders of government. So I think it'll be it'll be a fairly short conversation on Monday, but it will prepare us for a more fulsome one the week of the 22nd. Mayor, can we ask you to hang on for a couple of minutes, just do some commercials and come back and chat a bit more? I would love to. Joined uh, once again, she's gracious enough to lend us more of her time. Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Thanks again, Mayor Gondek. It's nice to be here. I want to ask you something. This is came up uh, before the election. It wasn't a huge election it, uh, issue, but it was in the conversation. And that was the presence of Calgary police in the downtown core. Now, we know, I think it was a month and a half ago, uh, they launched what they call the Stephen Avenue Safety Hub on uh, 8th Avenue at 230 8th Avenue Southwest. Is that enough uh, in our city, do you think, of a police presence in one of the uh, most highly densely uh, populated uh, parts of our city? I think this question of police presence is one that we need to dismantle a bit. What is the purpose of police presence? Is it to address social disorder? Is it to create a sense that people are safe? And I think one of the things you need to recognize is by putting in that community safety hub, we also displaced a lot of the people who were um, in situations of homelessness, they've moved to other parts of the downtown because they felt, you know, that they were going to be shuffled along anyway. So there's consequences to the decisions that we make. And I think it's important that if we are trying to use policing to solve issues of social injustice, that's not the same as social disorder. So I think the stronger we are at addressing vulnerabilities like homelessness and addiction, and, you know, even physical disabilities that are preventing people from being able to work, the better off we will be taking care of vulnerable populations, getting them housed and creating a downtown that is, in fact, vibrant for other uses. So it's a balance we have to strike with our police service. And I know that our police commission is working hard to create a lot of partnerships that are addressing what's actually happening. 
I want to talk about uh, Councillor Sean Chu for just a second, blocked from committees. Will those in Ward 4 still be represented properly? People in Ward 4 can rest assured that there are many members of council who are interested in representing the issues and challenges and ideas that are coming from all parts of the city. I myself am absolutely able to discuss the needs of Ward 4 residents with them. I know I've got partners on council who are willing to do the same. Uh, in no way will that part of the city be underserved. We will take care of them. All right. Now, this has kind of become the question of the day, <laughs> Mayor Gondek, and that is we, we packed up Halloween. Of course, all eyes on Remembrance Day next Thursday. However, it, your thoughts on it, whether or not it's appropriate <laughs> to put up our Christmas stuff ahead of Remembrance Day. We're getting some texts saying, you know, it's disrespectful. And then the other viewpoint that I can still put up my Christmas stuff and still observe Remembrance Day. What are your thoughts? Well, when it comes to the exterior, putting up the lights, I can tell you that uh, anyone who's ever had to put up lights when it's minus 20 (laughs) uh, much prefers to do it when it's 12 degrees like it's supposed to be today. So, I mean, my thoughts, go ahead and put up the outside lights. You don't have to light everything up right away. But I am a big believer in recognizing the sacrifices that our veterans made for our ability to live in a democratic society. So I, I, I don't intend to put up anything Christmassy until after Remembrance Day to show my full appreciation for things that my predecessors have done. Speaking of Remembrance Day, Mayor, I know we're obviously doing things differently, still no live activities, but uh, how do you celebrate and, and, and you know commemorate that day when we're not able to do it and gather as we normally would like to do, particularly with our veterans? Well, I've had the good fortune of being able to attend different services. Um, I remember back in my Manitoba days, we always found a legion to go to on Remembrance Day. Um, I've been able to go to a legion in Calgary in my capacity as a counselor. Probably the biggest honor I've had is being able to attend at Field of Crosses and the military museums. And so there are many, many places that people can engage with services outdoors in our city and everything is screened now. So You know, you can pay your respects and recognize Remembrance Day in many different ways now, and I think it's important to do so. Thank you so much for your time, Mayor Gondek, and and have a great weekend. You too. Thanks for having me on. Being here, that is Mayor Jyoti Gondek. Mornings with Sue and Andy, Sue DL and Andrew Schultz with you, and of course our Dave McIver. Yep, uh, take off the uh, took off the sports hat, and he's helping us out with uh, something super timely. Dave, I, you looked into a study about how the pandemic has affected us in, in many different ways, uh, but particularly looking at brain health, memory, and mental stimulation. It's, it's taken a bit of a toll, hasn't it? Yeah, it uh, it was a very interesting study, especially the contrast. The study was done by the Brain Project and the Baycrest Foundation. I chatted with Dr. Rosanna Olson, who's a memory scientist hmm. at uh, Baycrest Rotman Research Institute. And if you've never heard of the Brain Project, it's a really uh, kind of a neat thing. They do it in Toronto. Uh, you can also find it online. Uh, it's a citywide art exhibit and it's brain sculptures and they bring in local artists, international artists, and they, you know, design different, uh, you know, I guess decorate, I guess, all these different brain sculptures. It's all around the city. And it's to bring attention and raise funds for the Baycrest Foundation uh, for Alzheimer's and related dementias. So uh, the survey was done by Angus Reid, asked a few different questions uh, that I focused on with Dr. Olson. And uh, first thing we we chatted about is, well, what did the study set out to find? So this study was interested in understanding how different people, uh, different Canadians, Um, responded to the pandemic. 
And specifically, um, it wanted to look at sort of both negative changes during the pandemic, but also some positive changes, lifestyle changes that people undertook in response to the pandemic. And so the survey um, showed that indeed people did notice changes in their life, their mental life, their, um, their cognition, et cetera. But they also came up with coping strategies to, with those obstacles that were thrown in their way due to the pandemic. Now you hear uh, you know, Dr. Olson, our, our Zoom call there, oh, little, gotcha. what she said was strategies. And it's funny <laughs> because we did actually get into Zoom calls in this, uh, in this study. So it was split into three age groups, uh, 18 to 34, mm-hmm. 35 to 54, and 55 plus. Um, asked a variety of questions, a couple of them with answers not being uh, very surprising. Uh, did you feel a lack of community during the pandemic? Well, right. yes, 72% of respondents said that, yes, they felt a lack of community um, during the pandemic, which we're obviously still in. But especially if you think back to the beginning, what it was like, right? Yes. We were so isolated from everybody yes. and everything. Yeah, we had lockdowns. And now we're used to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, another one was 64% of the people said they felt that they were bored during the pandemic. So no surprise there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dr. Olson did say that uh, Alberta more positively uh, led the country at 53% in exploring their creativity. Oh, interesting. And she gave some examples of what that meant. Things like um, taking online courses on a topic that you hadn't normally studied before. Like, let's say you didn't study a certain topic in university, but you always wanted to learn about that topic. You could take an online course about that. Um, You can listen to um, online concerts. So, for example, if you were used to going to concerts, live music, you know, was shut down during the pandemic, unfortunately. But um, a lot of I know I know a lot of bands were doing some um, online broadcasting as well as um, symphonies, etc. You can still watch a lot of that um, music online, which is great. Another example is taking up a new um, hobby like stitching or embroidery, knitting, crocheting, all of those are are great um, pandemic activities. Similarly, trying out new recipes. Have you guys uh, picked up anything new in the past 20 months? I know for me, well, which kicked off, uh, I guess you'd say not even mid-pandemic, but in early January, we did our Jenny Craig Challenge. For me, it's, you know, personal health and well-being. Am I where I want to be? Not yet, but this has been a time to refocus because, of the, well, you know, when you go back to January, we had more time. Things are ramping up now. But for me, that was it. Uh, any new pursuits for, for, for either of you two? We will do some puzzles and play games so a little more. Just sort of, you know, finding things. Because I think it, it forced us to slow down. And and therefore, you were at home with your loved ones <laughs> for Why more you long... do air quotes when you said loved ones? <laughs> for longer periods than we were used to. See, I mean, you really did have to find, especially with the kids or the grandkids, you found things to do, right? Yeah, for me, it was it was reading. Like I yeah. used, I used to read strictly on vacation, mm-hmm. and like I'll, I put away two or three books on vacation. But now it's you know I kind of try and mix in a, a new book every couple of weeks, and yeah, you know, I'm not going in depth in my reads. You know, I'm I'm reading still my sports but just biographies, sort of a getaway, right? exactly yeah. something different um, during the pandemic that you know maybe we didn't do before. Um, I watched my, a lot more Netflix. Oh, well, that's it. Wow. You took us right into the next part (laughs) because uh, a little bit more on the negative side uh, was in Alberta and Ontario. Uh, They led the country in in lacking in mental stimulation at 61%. And I wondered, was that related to our streaming Mm. habits? Because going into this pandemic, I had Netflix and I had Crave. 
Now you have everything. I have Netflix, <laughs> Crave, Disney Plus, Apple TV, Amazon Prime. Actually, Apple TV is the only one we haven't got. Well, there's still time for you. Yeah, pandemic's are, not over we're yet. We're still in this uh, together, right? That's what we used to say. Uh, so I talked to uh, Dr. Olson about that as well. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'm not going to slam Netflix because I, I I did plenty of Netflix binging myself when I was, especially at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and I think that there's, you know, there's so many documentaries and, and you can learn a ton on Netflix, mm-hmm. but I think you also need to to mix it up and make sure that you're not just relying on, on, net, on Netflix for your cognitive stimulation and that you're reading books, going outside, taking walks, et cetera, and, and having that balance of activities. That's another thing that I've, I, I, you know, we got lucky. We, uh, we ended up getting a dog. Right. So walks became part of mm. my daily routine and now still are. And Rocket's getting better at not attacking the leash on his walks, which <laughs> That's is That's nice. a good thing. And I took up hiking. Yes. I guess really it's sort yes. of that, that peaked for me, whether it's winter or spring, summer, fall, it doesn't matter. I've been hiking year round now since the pandemic started. Yeah. And that was kind of, you know, a little bit of the focus of this study. You know, did you use art, uh, extra activities, your reading um, to kind of change the way that you did things and how did that affect you, right? So um, this was the most interesting one for me, though, because um, one of the questions asked was, did you feel like you forgot things a lot more during the Mm. pandemic? And uh, I certainly think that Dr. Olson's answer makes sense because nearly four in 10 people say they forgot things a lot more. And as Dr. Olson says, and as we talked about Zoom earlier. Yeah, so we know a little bit about what causes that. And we know that one thing that really helps your memory is novelty. And when things aren't as novel, novel, you know, new things, new things in your life. And so when you're not having as many new activities that you're doing and the things that you're doing every day are really similar to the days that you're doing preceding to that day, that really has a detrimental effect on memory. And so... You know, I have a hard time sometimes remembering which meetings I had or which thing I learned at a given meeting because every meeting that I have, I'm sitting at the same computer in the same office in the same room and not having that same, the kind of variety that I used to have at my job where I would at least change rooms between uh, meetings, for example. So that's one thing um, that really has has caused people to feel like they, they are forgetting things. The Zoom fatigue, right? Uh, oh, I did 16 Zoom meetings yeah. today. What happened in all of those Zoom meetings? Uh, and Will I, know I ever my, get that time back? Yeah, like my memory's gotten worse. Uh, just for me yesterday, I was talking with my mom and I knew I had to do something today, but I couldn't remember what it was. <laughs> I have to go to the dentist. I, I, I ended up remembering it, but it's just those little things I think that uh, yeah. have affected us. So a very interesting study and uh, I, I just found uh, some of the numbers in there. And, and one thing I'll add before uh, you guys make me wrap here is... Um, the 55 plus yeah. uh, age group, they actually, they were, you know, a lot less um, affected affected oh. than, let's say, the 18 to 34 groups. So We're able to entertain ourselves. That's why I'm not in that, quite in that age group yet, but Months I'll put away. myself close to it. Yeah, so <laughs> you know, we're not the young teens who couldn't see their friends and hang out. We found ways to entertain ourselves as older adults, I think. Yeah, that's, that's at least what the study says. Interesting. Every Friday at this time, we check in with Global News Washington Bureau Chief Jackson Prosco to get the latest news making headlines in the United States. And he joins us now. Morning, Jackson. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Thanks for being with us. Uh, Busy week in the U.S. in terms of politics, but the Democrats suffering pretty big loss in Virginia's governor's race. A lot of uh, action going on. But is it normal for the party in power to lose ground in elections like this? 
In off-year elections, it's not uncommon for the party in power to lose ground, that's for sure. Uh, the thing is that Virginia had been an exception to that rule. They have voted for Democrats in state elections for the past 12 years or so. That state voted 10 points in favor of Joe Biden just one year ago. Uh, instead, though, on Tuesday during the election, uh, the Republican candidate won the governor's mansion, and uh, Republicans also took the state legislature. So, really, it's a, a sort of a, a wild shift in a state that Democrats had come to rely on. The other election that took place was in New Jersey, where the Democratic governor there barely won re-election, and that should have been a cakewalk for him. So generally, it seems to signal that Democrats might be in a bit of trouble ahead of the 2022 midterms. And, uh, you know, as we talk Democrats, it looks like Joe Biden's approval rate is down 43 percent, uh, you know, in, in the most recent polling. Can we peg this and pin this on the economy, Jackson? Or what does it do to yeah, it ha- it's the economy is a big part of it here, and that was sort of the sleeper issue that no one was really talking about in any of these state-level races, but it's actually what's sort of top of mind for most Americans. Uh, they see, you know, rising prices at the grocery store, for example, rising, pri- rising prices at the gas pumps, and they're upset about it. Uh, the good news is that unemployment is down to like 4.6%. There was uh, some numbers out just this morning here that it's now at the lowest rate since the start of the pandemic. Job creation is through the roof. In fact, there's a staffing shortage in a lot of places, uh, but it's... It's certainly something that uh, Democrats will need to speak to and address. We should point out, though, that both Biden and former President Trump are sort of like the albatrosses around their party's necks. They are both equally unpopular. Uh, they, they both have unapproval ratings that are almost identical. And so both of them are sort of a, a detriment to their own parties right now. Jackson, was there anything else that came out of this week's votes, uh, governors, mayoral candidate races, et cetera? Anything big that you wanted to mention that's st- kind of stuck out to you? You know, I think the big thing is just the sense that the electorate is angry and they feel like they're not being listened to right now. And who can blame them after all the chaos that everyone has lived through over the past uh, year and a half with the pandemic? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the big one, the climate conference, uh, COP26. Uh, wondering, uh, you know, why the U.S. hasn't joined several other countries in their pledge to phase out coal? Is it something that, you know, they're, uh, is that the line in the sand? Is, is coal that important to the nation? You know, this is one of those issues that continues to pop up time and time again. And part of it is, of course, the coal and fossil fuel lobbies are incredibly powerful in the U.S. Coal remains a major source of energy in the U.S. as well. But you're right, it sort of flies contrary to the goals of the Biden administration in particular of having these international treaties that uh, aim to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. Now, there was a global treaty or a, a, a treaty signed by more than 100 countries on reducing methane emissions. And methane, of course, is a very potent greenhouse gas. But the issue around coal, that is a major Major problem, And, of course, part of the issue, I think, is that the U.S. is saying, well, why should we cut back at a time when China, for example, has said it's actually going to start building more coal-fired power plants to meet an energy shortage in that country? Let's talk a little bit about the latest on vaccines and mandates for public and private sector employees in the U.S., Jackson. What's the latest uh, there? It's certainly causing controversy here in Canada. Yeah, so the Biden administration has announced a federal vaccine mandate, and any large employer, that's a company with 100 employees or more, uh, has to have a vaccine mandate in place by January. They can prov- uh, uh, offer testing as an alternative that employees would pay for themselves if they don't want to get vaccinated, but one way or another, it has to be in place by January. But you're seeing sort of state and local level mandates come into effect now, and of course, New York City is the biggest one where uh, hundreds of police officers and firefighters decided to hold a sick out this week. Uh, to protest the vaccine mandates. Uh, you're seeing them uh, with uh, local governments and, and local police departments right across the country. Broadly speaking, though, 
there's been widespread acceptance of vaccine, and you're, you're seeing places approach, you know, high 90 percentile. So the numbers seem big, but they're not nearly as big as the number of people who've chosen to get the shots. And let's talk about the uh, grim milestone that was released, I believe, on Wednesday. 750,000 mm. Americans dead due to COVID-19. Uh, what are, what's the current, uh, you know, uh, case count as far as, uh, is it going up? Is it static? And, and what are the projections, Jackson? Yeah, generally speaking, the, the sort of decline that we've seen over the past months has kind of stopped at this point. It's stalled. And in fact, some states are starting to see their case numbers tick back up. Uh, we're still seeing, you know, more than 1,200 deaths every single day in this country from COVID-19. It's not going away anytime soon. And so I think as much as people may think, okay, that was the last wave, the pandemic is over, it's not at this point. And I think there's a lot of concern about the winter, about flu season, about people heading indoors, all the same concerns, of course, that, uh, you know, you're seeing in Canada. And really, uh, there's a lot of concern that until vaccination rates increase to a higher point, uh, that you're going to continue to have flare-ups. With the ongoing pandemic, obviously, it changes how people remember and celebrate different things. And former U.S. Secretary of State Colin Powell is going to be laid rest today. This funeral taking place, but I suspect not a lot of pomp and circumstance, right? Yeah, it is at the National Cathedral here in D.C., and we are expecting dignitaries, including former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, to be there. Uh, but we'll have to sort of see as the, the ceremony unfolds what the COVID protocols are like. Uh, generally speaking, here in Washington, everything's open. There's no capacity restrictions, just an indoor mask mandate. So uh, it's sort of, I think, up to the venue to decide uh, how they handle this. All eyes, of course, on the holiday season. And, and I'm wondering, you know, when you mentioned uh, protocols surrounding of, of official events like f- funerals, for example, uh, is this going to be the closest thing to normal you've seen in a couple of years when it comes to Thanksgiving in the States? Uh, what is it, uh, three weeks away? Yeah, I think there's a big expectation that everyone's going back to normal in terms of their travel plans and their plans to see family and all that. Uh, you know, we're seeing the airlines struggle to keep up with demand for flights right now. Uh, so generally speaking, I think people are going to take advantage and do this year what they couldn't do last year uh, as much as they possibly can. Jackson, thank you so much for joining us. As always, Friday, it's a great time to check in with you. Thanks for the update on what's happening in the U.S. today and this week. Appreciate your time. Have a great weekend. Have a great weekend yourself. Jackson Prosco is our Washington Bureau Chief for Global News. Three quarters of a million people uh, dying in the U.S. of, of COVID-19. The if, numbers are shocking. Yeah, if, if you're a conspiracy theorist and you think, you know, this doesn't exist, how, how, how do you get around that argument with the 750,000 deaths? So certainly still going on. But it's interesting to me because I think a lot of Canadians look to the U.S. for particularly the, the sporting events that months ago had packed stands. Mm-hmm. So you That's say, true. well, we should be doing the Long same Long before here. we did it, right, yeah. in Canada. So, you know, I mean, it, it's very interesting to me, and a lot of them with no proof of vaccination to enter in, and to be a fan in the stands. Uh, you know, I, I think we are doing things right, and it's not to, you know, uh, put nose to thumb to the U.S. and say, well, better them than us. Uh, but I think that, you know, when we get down in the dumps, you know, we are moving in the right direction and trending it. And if you look per capita... Uh, they're uh, way, way above because we're a much smaller nation. They're nine times bigger. Uh, I'm okay with with us still being cautious about yeah. things and doing it slowly. It, who, we don't need another wave. Uh, we've had four of them already. That's plenty. Thank you very we're much. We're waved out. Yeah, we are. Our Friday tradition, a chance to find out how we can entertain ourselves over the weekend. And with the details, the entertainment man himself, Brett McGarry of the Couch Potatoes. Good morning to you, Brett. Hey, how are you? Good, good. Your name is Brett, and his name is Dexter. Tell us about this. Uh, you know, we love Dexter, and I, I thought it was over. I thought we'd never see or hear from Dexter again. Yeah, Dexter wrapped up its eight-season run 
eight years ago, I guess. Oh, I think it was in wow. 2013 already. Really? And uh, But it, it had one of the worst endings in the history of television. It was just <laughs> a reviled series finale. So they... They have come up with a story that they think will give Dexter a proper send-off. So it's a limited series. It's just a 10-episode series, and that's it. And it takes place 10 years after the events of the series. For those who don't know Dexter, um, Dexter Morgan is a serial killer, but he has a moral code. He only kills bad guys. Um, But he had to disappear from Miami he now lives in the fictitious small town of Iron Lake, New York, and he's blended in and he's kept his dark urges at bay. But in this new series, something happens that threatens to reawaken the dark passenger that he carries around with him. So I'm excited. I love Dexter and the idea that maybe he'll get a proper ending I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to watch it. I don't care. It's not getting the best reviews, but I don't care. Brett, is it Netflix? Which, what channel is it on? on Crave. Oh, Crave. Okay. Oh, gosh. I got to order that channel (laughs) now. Um, Another one on a streaming service, Yellowstone. Haven't watched it yet, but it gets rave reviews. And I know because I've heard from a thousand friends that the new season is coming out this weekend. That's right. It's on Amazon Prime Video, the fourth season of Yellowstone. This Kevin Costner-led show is one that I have not yet watched, uh, but I, too, have many friends who are all over this, including my co-host, Jeff Braun. He uh, recently finished watching the first three seasons, so he's super excited. Yellowstone is the name of this giant ranch in Montana. It's owned by Kevin Costner and his family, and the show is about them trying to keep their their thing going, and there's violence and crime and all sorts of... Uh, it, it basically looks like The Sopranos, but like on a ranch. <laughs> and, uh, and I've heard nothing but good things about it, yeah, so me too. I should probably look into it. Yeah, same. And I'm glad you cleared that up because I thought it was about a bear who liked to steal picnic baskets, but that would be Jellystone. That's been done. Yeah, that's right. Okay, now that we've cleared that up, now I've got some weekend viewing. Okay, switching gears, let's talk about The Eternals. What What are The Eternals? Looks so good. Eternals is the latest from Marvel, and this is about a group of super powerful immortals who have been on planet Earth for 7,000 years. And they're basically like the most powerful beings on the planet, but they have they were not allowed to interfere with human conflict, but they finally have to step up and protect humanity because of a greater threat. So it looks I think it looks cool, but it's not getting the best reviews. Like it's really? the first Marvel film in years that's getting like mediocre reviews at best. So um, this could be a potential failure for Marvel. I know that's kind of a little extreme to even suggest that. But, uh, yeah, it looks like they may have missed the mark on this one. Got a pretty cool cast. And I just heard that it's actually been banned in Saudi Arabia, Qatar, Kuwait, because there's a gay character. So uh, that could add to the controversy, right? Yeah. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I know. But it is uh, a fact. It does, and does have an ex- it's got an excellent cast. Salma yeah. Hayek, Angelina Jolie, so many more. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, too. I'll go see it. I don't really care what the reviews are. Final one we want to touch on before we let you go. Everybody loves Lady Di, and the movie Spencer is out this weekend. That's right. Spencer, Kristen Stewart plays uh, Princess Diana, and uh, the movie is getting pretty good reviews. Her performance is said to be spectacular, and they're already talking Oscar buzz for this one. So um, I... 
I think it's great because Kristen Stewart kind of has been in the shadow of those Twilight movies mm-hmm. for so many yeah. years. And I think she's about to once and for all shake it off. And a universal story that I think, yeah, everybody's captivated sure. by, so we can't get enough, but we'll be checking out Spencer. And uh, all of these choices, we've uh, we've taken notes, and we've got our watch list through the weekend. Thank you so much, Brett. Okay, have a good weekend. You too. He's Brett McGarry of the Couch Potatoes. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.